Here it is again, as you were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week it is Calling All Skeletons, yeah. I mean, we should do that again because it's peaking so much. I don't. I don't care. But I also think that that's uh, maybe appropriate. Yeah. I mean, we. Sh- this is. If we really wanted to nail that, we should have rehearsed it some more and like work through it. But you know. Well, I mean, David Anthony. Tim Crisp. Our days over here at As You Were a podcast about Alkaline Trio of doing multiple takes are behind us. Yes. I mean, I remember when. Jeremy Bolm was here and we did Queen of Pain and and he made a comment of like damn how many takes do we have to do of this entire episode like mm-hmm. seriously th- this is the 13th time that we've done it and I was like motherfucker Stanley Kubrick made Scott McConnors come into the Overlook Hotel 90 times mm-hmm and get get slashed with that axe by Jack Nicholson 90 times. How many takes do you think we're going to do? I mean, a valid point. And we were there all day. He missed the show. Um, but He missed that, the show after that, too. True. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, we were perfectionists. Yeah, who cares now? It's a little bit of a living metaphor. Well, it's not who cares. It's just that we've adopted this kind of, you know, fly by the seat of your pants. Like, it's more it's more easy rider these days. On yes. As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio. You ever watch that movie? No. It fucking sucks. This is really, I mean, every podcast is really just a living recreation of My Dinner with Andre. <laughs> um, but who cares? We do it anyway. Hey, David, we are here. To talk about an Alkaline Trio song. And, Which one? Uh, this one is... <laughs> it, this is one of those ones that you really want to tell all of your friends is the title of a song by a band that you like. I will say, uh, to really get into it, and we've gotten into it many a time. Oh, many a time. Uh, Remember that one time? Oh, yeah, it was good. That was a good and another time. time. Oh, <laughs> what a time. Anyway, yeah, let me put it to you this way. Your favorite band, your being me, um, is putting out a new record. It is called Agony and Irony. And you're like, fuck, I have to say that to people. Oh, what? Oh. And then you, I remember reading the track list on the amazing punknews.org and being like, calling all skeletons. Mm, help me. Yes, I do need that. Love, love, kiss, kiss. Live fast. Live young, die fast. And you're just like, I really wish I could sit this one out. Really wish I could. And then, you know, get the record, put it on, and what do I hear? Yes. Now, am I opposed to hand clapping in general? No. That would be a really weird thing to be opposed to. Yeah. Uh, In all instances, I'm opposed to hand clapping. (laughs) Applause? Not for me. Uh, However, you know, there's a song that does this very prominently by a band called Against Me. Uh Uh-huh. 
where the entire bridge through the end of the song features that same hand clap pattern. Corny? Yes. Do I love it? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Very fun. Very yes. good. Do I love it here? I have been eternally mixed on it. Yes. I think that this song, which was voted upon by our lovely patrons over at Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. And just to say, while we're while we're freaking dunking on this song up top, that's not what this episode is. No. Though the first 15 seconds of Calling All Skeletons, the first song on the band's, what, fifth? No, Actual LP? sixth? Sixth studio album. Freaking self-titled always throws me off. Uh, it's, yeah, I get it. Agony and Irony, produced by Josh Abraham, who, you want to you wanna point the finger, you know it's the producer that's saying, hey, hand claps. And I got to say, for this song, that guy had way too many ideas. Uh, there's a, a lot. too many ideas. There's a lot going on in the song, to a degree that for what it's trying to be, um, which is just kind of a nice little pop rock jam to be played on uh, your local alt rock station. Absolutely. I, I think it's just, it's it's a little muddled. Now, okay. We've kind of, from the jump here, only said negative things. And I'm going to say one more. Uh, Which is perhaps the worst part of all that is like I could forgive it if what Matt was saying was interesting. But I do not get... He's trying to do too many like punchlines or like he's trying to be a little too clever. Like the here it is again like at the album opener into this hand claps is like kind of corny but i'll allow that and then in the claps and it's like the hole in my chest part and the double nickels on your dime thing and it's just like i don't know where we are in time or space or what your thesis is i put this record on and i was already kind of unsure of my relationship with alkaline trio I, it was the least excited I was for an Alkaline Trio release since I started following the band. And that opening was like, oh, hmm. The pin went into the balloon, like, almost right away. And maybe not, like, maybe not, maybe, that's a little bit extreme, but it was just like just a like low level like i don't even know what i'm doing here Mm -hmm. and that double nickels on your dime line i wouldn't call myself a minute men fan but i read our band could be your life when i was 15 Mm -hmm. the minute men chapter in that book is is such a powerful story. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right now. I, if there, if there's a band who like just like on the nonfiction side of everything that I attach to in the entire history of rock and roll, 
it's the Minutemen. Yeah. I love their story. I love the relationship between Dee Boone and Mike Watt. And I'll bring up, I've brought up George, George Hurley often on this podcast mm-hmm. because I think that he is the closest comparison that there is to the way Glenn plays drunk. Totally. But, um, you know, Dee Boone dying tragically, um, Mike Watt just kind of being the, like, the, the guy who does not stop talking. But, like, even going back to... I want to drive a van and play bass. Well, yeah. I mean... I I couldn't wait for that Jawbreaker documentary to come sure. out because We Jam Econo, It's great. It's it's so unbelievably great. Just like going back all the way to the fact that they start playing as a band together when they're like 12 years old and they didn't know for the first couple of years of being a band that you need to tune your strings. Mm-hmm. They just thought that they like playing loose strings it's just like a preference in the way that it feels and that's how they start making music together it's a really really beautiful story um so hearing a a reference to that it just had no effect on me Mm -hmm. whatsoever and i feel like if i if, if if that's what a reference like that does for me in the first 20 seconds of the song it's just like this is kind of the what am i doing here well i mean to, to jump off that sorry like, that like one way no no, no, no. i mean to. i think to discuss the minute briefly on my end like not a band i love in the way that people who love them love them do you know anybody who really loves them though? yes <laughs> okay um <laughs> one but what i'll say is this is one like, more than me I think they have like eight records and I think two of them are pretty good. Yeah. You know, and they have a lot of cool songs and obviously they coined the phrase, our band could be your life. And then it becomes the book title that everyone loves and knows and blah, 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 blah. But what bothers me with the references, it doesn't really lead to anything. It's just kind of thrown out there. It's like, Hey, I listen to the Minutemen, which cool. Okay. But I, I think the key difference there is like double nickels on the dime is an ambitious, double record where like it has three you know one side for each member and then the leftovers on the final one famously made is like in competition with Husker Du's and Arcade and it's like those are very ambitious records without sacrificing what the bands are um and I think there's a different kind of ambition that Alkaline Trio was uh channeling to make this record which is like let's make a very big successful pop rock record and that's fine too i don't expect you because you made a double nickels on the dime reference to make your most challenging record when it's your major label debut um uh, but i think this record suffers from the exact same things that double nickels on the dime suffers from which is like there's no real coherence yeah i was listening to this song a few times in preparation and and I really did find that after those first after that guitar intro I really came to like enjoy a lot of aspects of this song same there are so many parts hooks (laughs) so many just vocal hooks you know that he's he's got one at the end of uh each verse which gives us the titular line mm-hmm. calling all skeletons. But then we've got a whole nother like, you know, 
chorus that is really, really just given that extra, like, you know, radio-ready rock juice. Yes. Um, But the problem with all of that is there's so many things, and you kind of just, like, lose your space in all of it. I agree. I... (sighs) This song is one that I was always shocked wasn't a single because I think with that opening of Matt kind of vocally into the guitar and clap part and and then into it, there are a lot of vocal hooks. It's the type of thing that I think was meant or if not meant designed to be a lead off track designed to be a song for radio because that comes in after Lincoln park and you're like, Oh, you're very accosted just by this isolated voice. Uh-huh. Um, and it grabs your attention for better or worse. And then you kind of ride the ride. But there is so much going on here, and there's like things I forget about this song because so much happens. There's the harmonies that happen in the verses, which I think are very good, but are kind of like, man, this is just like another layer. There is the bridge, which has a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I think it has, for how in your face it is, has a really pulled back chorus and a really subdued chorus in reference to everything else. Yeah, I think that that's where uh, that's where I kind of get lost. Is I mean, this is a like vocally, this is a very ambitious melody, and especially in the verse, like Matt is really stretching his voice in ways that he hadn't previously. Totally. Um and you know going back to those those lines at the end of the the verse they have way more of a hook than the actual chorus on this song Mm -hmm. and it's just a weird thing to kind of recover from yeah i mean i i think it's a song that to me from when i first heard it on the record i was kind of like i don't know if i love that i definitely don't dislike it there's things in it i dislike but like okay let's see where this record goes and the unfortunate part is like obviously with all we're saying about it like it's a song that when i think about the record i'm like that's ah, one of the better ones yeah it unfortunately really is um i kind of want to like put agony and irony in, into a little perspective um because this is a record that was made for v2 yes which which folded right and but also v2 is kind of like the is it like the arty offshoot of virgin records correct basically so this is the label that like the white stripes were Mm -hmm. on moby was on this Mm -hmm. label but also like i think block party yeah i think them i think darker my love was on this label it was definitely like i mean it's weird to think there was a brief moment before it all collapsed that like alkaline trio and white stripes were label mates right and like people were betting on those two horses at the same time. Yeah, but I do think that this is, I think that we're talking about a label that's working in like the scale of we need a band that's doing the emo thing. Mm -hmm. And My Chemical Romance is unavailable. Right, so we're going to pick up Alkaline Trio and put a lot behind it so the the idea that like the objective here is for a radio hit and that's the label that you have like behind you to do that looking at like the way that this record comes off sonically it all kind of makes sense and i think that what what's wild to me is 
if, if you think about the history of band goes to major label, mm-hmm. makes record that is definitely a major label record, New yeah. Wave, that really divided people. I don't think that this really had any effect on people. I don't think that huh. there were, like, I don't know. And I'm trying not to think that, like, my experience represents more than just my experience. But, like, I wasn't mad at the Alkaline Trio for making this record. It didn't even have that behind it. I mean, I think that's a fair point. And I think there's two things at play. To dart back to the V2 thing, I remember, once again, punknews.org, reading that news item. And then V2 folds and they get picked up by Epic. And I do wonder... And I'm sure Matt Skibo and Dan and Derek would loudly be like, no, that's not what happened. But I do think if they were signed to V2, that makes a lot of sense coming off of Crimson. Yeah. And if V2 is like, we are expecting you to make a second Crimson. Okay. Logically, I can see how that aligns. But then they go to Epic and they don't really fit in. They're kind of a s- small fish, big pond. Uh, Did blah, Epic, blah, blah. Epic bought? Yes, v2 right from my understanding uh-huh. and, but like v2 ceased to exist yeah um so but know. they're they're totally a byproduct of just you know nobody really knows what they are in but a I, lot of I, ways they're the dead spin of <laughs> <laughs> um not waiting in those waters just yet uh but what i will say is just that, tune in in a few months yeah but what i will say is um you know, there is a little bit of like, you know, by the time this record comes out, you're right. There are bands that have made that big major label play and succeeded. Let's say a Rise Against. Yeah. Um, I think their record came out. In those, I mean, they were on a major before, but that Suffer and The Witness was a huge hit in like 2006. New Wave was a big record, even though that is one that was much more offensive to me Dude, and i still I, think man, by and large is yeah. their worst album oh um, yeah oh yeah like white crosses is miles better to me uh-huh um but this, the the stance that new wave took is the story of new wave yes and this record kind of gets lost in that shovel because it didn't really did i say lost in that shovel um this record kind of gets lost because yeah i don't think it i got made a big shovels splash. in my closet too mm-hmm. and it's like it wasn't like help me though it was a single and had a video it was not as prevalent as thrash unreal or any of those rise against songs um this definitely didn't have the grandeur and like just like of like a uh, black parade yeah you yeah. know um do you think it was how much of an influence do you think black parade is on the way that this record sounds minimally would be my guess you think so i think i mean obviously like alkaline trio and my cam toured together when the three cheers record came out right so, like it's not like they didn't know each other yeah yeah um i'm sure alkaline trio was some kind of influence on them to some degree but you know uh i think tonally yeah there's a lot of like clean clear pristine classic rock tones but this doesn't have the ambition of that yeah at yeah, all yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say when you compare it to the three records I just named, I think sonically this is the most inferior of them all. Yeah, it's kind of strange to me because I think that if you're listening to it, you notice like the kind of like copy and paste, like 
we paid a lot of money for this record, so we better put like a 21st layer of something right here. Yeah, I mean, it's busy. Yeah. It's busy in a way those other records aren't. There's a confidence in the songwriting that I think kind of gets lost on this record because it's like, effects, we've got them. Right. Like, and that's how you get the weird in vain stuff. It's how you, in Lost and Rendered, you get the weird ticking clocks in the background and I found a way is the weird spooky wind up top. Like, uh-huh. None of those other records have that because they aren't, they're a little more confident in their stride. And I think this record just suffers from being very much a series of half steps. Yeah, I just... I I think it's maybe the first Alkaline Trio record where it just it just doesn't seem clear what their intention is. Yeah, and I mean to this day I couldn't tell you. I yeah. think to me it's like I understand why uh, I know Dan likes the record a lot, which sure fine, but like I don't know. I just think it's it's you had a budget, but you didn't feel confident in what you were putting down. I think there's no coherence. This is a record that just feels like a collection of songs. It doesn't feel like an album in any meaningful sense. Um, yeah, but like as a collection of songs, the material's just not there. And it's still, I guess I just find it so wild that like, coming off of crimson which was just such a such an effort on like all parties to put something together that is just unbelievably cohesive i think that's an underrated aspect of of crimson is is how much it all feels like part of the you know Mm -hmm. same thing and this is just like a lot of songs and a lot of songs that are kind of just there yeah and i think that you know this one is one that has to me a lot of cool parts um a lot of interesting things that matt you know i never heard i i don't think that there's anything that precedes this that has like the ambitious uh vocal melody that comes off of matt on this one but it just doesn't really amount to like a complete statement. Nope. And as much as I do think this is one of the better songs on the record, the the gulf between the, the handful of songs that I would say are good on this record and everything else is very wide. Yeah. Um, And the fact that uh, as everyone will about is about to hear when I do rate this, they're going to be like, Oh, that's even low for a song you like on the record, you know? So this is one that I don't revisit when I do. I'm kind of frustrated by, um, I appreciate the willingness to try and take a big swing, but you were doing it with a blindfold on. Yeah. I I feel like a lot, there's a lot going on, on this record and on this track in particular, that feels like you have to do this after you do this because that's what a song does yes and that's what a song in particular with ambitions for radio play and and maybe for the first time someone saying like hey we really think you should sell this many records Mm -hmm. that would be nice yeah um you kind of get in in your head about it or god maybe just like they're out of gas. It's really it's really just like so hard to see 
what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this addiction is very much like we're out of gas, we're out of ideas. Yeah. And this one, it's just like, what is it doing? I agree. Um, And with that in mind, how many skeletons do you give it? Before we talk about that. How many? (sighs) Skeletons. I... Skeletons. I think I would give it one more skeleton if they didn't call it calling all skeletons. Sure. It's like that line actually, to me, very clever. Skeletons in your closet, bringing them all out. But when I read calling all skeletons, to me, it's like, all right, everybody, we're the alkaline trio and we're having a party. I mean, it's kind of what it evokes. It's very like, we're going to the carnival and like, <sighs> bah, 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 skeletons. Um, it's not a song that I, it's really hard to take seriously. Yeah. And this is a kind of a thing we've critiqued a lot, but like there's a, Matt likes to twist metaphors in different ways. And, and I do think there is a cleverness to this, to be honest. But it's not what the title of the song should be called. It's very hard to read on its face. If if there was just right. the there's a party in my closet calling all skeletons, I'd be like, okay. That's a very good line for you to end your verse with. Yes. It's but removed from that context, it's completely different and it makes me a little embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But I give it I give it two and a half skeletons out of five. I'm gonna give it a, a nice three and a half skeletons out of five. I'm gonna ask you something. Yes. And if you say not here, it doesn't have to be here because we've gone twenty five minutes. Uh-huh. But having just devoured the replacements box set for Don't Tell a Soul. Sure. The record where they in Ways that they never did before. Finally, third record on Warner's. Say, all right, we're we're in it. We're gonna we're gonna try and, and we're gonna be bring the band. in uh huh. And by then, they're out of gas in a lot of ways. Do you think that if the Alkaline Trio was picked up maybe earlier, if if they were scooped up? Good morning era. Does the story change? Probably. I think they exist and I think all of this stuff exists in a weird kind of valley. So like if we're going to talk about with the moments in the mid 2000s where they could have broken out, like all their friends were doing it. And the reasons for that are innumerable and nebulous and you can't really pinpoint one or the other. But what I'll say is this is like, I've always found it curious. Like the year good morning comes out is the year sing the sorrow comes out and sing the sorrow. They, they share a very similar black and red aesthetic, but AFI fucking rocket to the moon. Yeah. Alkaline trio is still on an indie and they're trying to kind of grow out of that. And if they get signed after that, you know, the, the next record's coming out in a uh, My Chemical Romance world who are dominating, who clearly are borrowing that aesthetic, and but but are writing really good songs and make a great rock record in the midst of it. So, like, I'm not trying to disparage them. But, like, the, uh, once again, overshadowed. Um, and then, you know, like I was saying earlier, like, 
rise against against me like my chemical romance again like right, AFI right. put out another big record a couple of years before this like everyone's just kind of like hitting it and hitting on something that is like oh if I wants to write a big pop song they do miss murder it sucks but it, it hits against me does thrash unreal and it hits rise against does their thing and it hits like and we're also you know if we're talking about in the the good morning era you get american idiot that's just rocket to the moon again like you know yeah everyone's kind of having there is this 2000s pop punk adjacent resurgence and i think they were just perpetually overshadowed wrong place wrong time i think to the average consumer looked like a second rate version of whatever else was on the market right I I think an interesting one to look at is Newfound Glory. Because sure. Because they go from drive-through to MCA, and I don't think Newfound Glory did anything at least like up through Sticks and Stones that was like crazy huge other than they just wrote really songs. good songs. Yeah. Um, there's never really like a scope beyond like what it becomes you know down the line with bands like afi and sure i mean i will say they made uh i revisited this record like a year ago randomly because what i like to do is i like to read wikipedia pages before i go to bed Uh and i I wound up on the newfound glory so i was going through the records and they made a record i think five or six called coming home okay which is like them trying to make a kind of more indie rock record and it's kind of good I believe that. But nobody wanted it. Like right, the label right. folded and it tanked and no one likes it. But when I listened to it, I was like, huh, even they made like a more like we're putting on the suit and tie and we're going to look nice record that Alkaline Trio couldn't make. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Huh. Yeah. Like I feel like everyone else, even if it wasn't a like huge success, kind of just did it a little better if I'm going to be totally honest. Yeah. I think that it's it's kind of it's an interesting little spot, even though there's not much time that passes, but newfound glory becomes what they become because of blink One Eighty Two. It's like, it's a very clear, like uh, whatever, but alkaline trio is like just a little bit too dark for that. Yes. And then by the time the dark stuff becomes big, Alkaline Trio just never really figures out how to thread that needle. And I mean, it's not for lack of trying. They played the late night shows and were on Fuse and all that shit. And like, well, but- here, here's a crazy thing that that we can also curb or go into it now. But for all of this, all of these fucking songs, that there are fucking fifty Alkaline Trio songs that like are classics yes what of those between like from here to infirmary and crimson work as a single for radio maybe stupid kid yeah i mean maybe mercy me yeah um but also like it doesn't punch enough and like stupid kids like I think Stupid Kid's really the closest thing. Stupid Kid's the closest thing. Like, I would say if it wasn't as long and didn't take as long to build, if there was a radio edit version of Time to Waste, maybe. Yeah. But only in that context, and it wouldn't work as well. I mean, that's the thing is, none of the songs in this era, I would, let's say, from Infirmary up through this one, none of them are an American Idiot. Right. 
none of them are girls not gray none of them though are really even like like my friends over you no no i mean and that's what i mean by saying like people who got into those bands like very like top level successful fucking pop punk bands of that era punk adjacent bands of that era like what my point was like during this era like they might like Alkaline Trio, but it's not a given. It's not on the same plane. It's not like all the way down in the basement with like an Aiden or something. Sure. But like they're just that step where it's like if you really liked any of those big records I named and you listen to Good Morning, you're like, oh, this dude's voice is kind of shot and these songs are kind of rough and they're a little weird. So maybe you don't get it. Or maybe you get Crimson and like. Uh, well, I like Untitled by Blink-182. I don't really need this one, too. Right. You know, like, there's just too much kind of happening. And, like, w- there's a reason that, like, in the post-fucking Newfound Glory world, that's why that Fall Out Boy record is a smash. Yeah. Because yeah. they're doing that. Yeah. They do it with a crazy ambition that's, like, kind of hard to to quantify or qualify. Um, but... I'm sure that somebody's going to write a think piece about it soon. Um, oh, actually, I know who is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it is like, I think that it's a testament to how things were then that this band does do as well as they do being just below that level yeah because i think that they're a band that obviously they make it to the top of the vagrant world but also i'm like positive that anybody who was invested in a my chemical romance enough yeah was probably directed to alkaline trio and probably latched onto it and it's like it's like they are just they're the they're the first thing that's not on the radio that you like you like yeah and they're your first kind of more like small scale cult band which tracks with your replacements analogy yeah you know the difference being that alkaline trio kind of ran out of gas and kept going and the replacements ended yeah yeah and that's kind of the big difference with a lot of things is like the fact that Alkaline Tree has been around for 25 years nearly is kind of crazy. Yeah. For me, Agony and Irony feels like like the second Paul Westerberg record where it's just like, oh, all right, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Except for the, like, those one or two things that make me go, yeah. Yep. And that's how it feels, baby. Hey. Good seeing you, buddy. Likewise. Um, hey, the day that this comes out, mm-hmm. we're recording in advance, obviously, but um, you are going to be having your surgery. Correct. Hopefully, by the time you hear this, it's over, and I'm just sitting in a bed. So for all the plugs that I usually do in here, y'all, I love this guy. And, Love you too, baby. And uh, and you're in my you're in my thoughts always. And uh, I want everybody out there to keep you in mind while you're listening. It's gonna be okay. I'm just I'm looking forward to your being past 
this thing that's taken a very long time. You and me both. But we're there, ideally. We're there. And if you're not listening to it on the day that it's coming out, what the fuck's the matter? Good question. Hey, but we're going to be back next week. I told you we got a plan. Mm-hmm. We'll see you then. Thanks, brothers. Mm-hmm.